to What Defines Us. I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I'm Reverend Matthew Schultz. And you're here. You made it to our podcast. Well done. You're probably still on your couch or in your car. (laughs) There's at least dozens of you listening to us right now. (laughs) What Defines Us is filmed before a live studio audience. It's not. It's not. It's not filmed at all. And it's recorded today here in my office. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're in Matt's office right now. So just picture that if you can. Uh, And that's and that's where we were recording this. Ignore the mess. Ignore the mess, yes. All right, so, uh, Matt, let's talk about the stuff we want to talk about today. Boy, we have a list, and uh, I think we mentioned last time we used to write out thorough notes. Now our notes are on one post-it. And Hold on, you know what's mind-boggling? What? Is that when we were so organized, we weren't getting that many downloads. And now that we were, like, less organized, we get more downloads. Like, the least, like, I don't know how it would take from this, but the the less organized we are, Mm -hmm. the more downloads we seem to get. You know, that might be time also that more people add on over time, which oh, is nice. Yeah, that's nice. But also yeah. in, in preaching, I just read something about that where if every word is wordsmithed, it just feels more stale and static. Uh, but if it's less so, it allows room for it to breathe. You know, if you're, like, if you're a constant hot mess all the time, it really is great for audience. That's just, right. Yeah, yeah. People <laughs> love mistakes. Okay, well, let's make some mistakes, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> well, the first thing on our post-it note filled with my terrible handwriting is magical thinking. Yeah, this is the podcast is going to be about, you know, it, obviously you probably saw it, you clicked on it and it said magical thinking, yeah. so this is the main subject of our podcast. There are other topics as well. We have the word graph, we have the phrase drag show, we're not going to do one, but you know, we're going to talk about drag shows, and sanctioned camps and Ten Commandments. So I don't know if we'll get to all that. I hope we do. We'll try. Yeah, a lot to talk about all those things. But magical thinking is where we're starting yeah. off. Um, do you have a handy dandy definition? Of magical thinking? Well, yeah, you could define anything if you want, but it makes sense <laughs> to define magical thinking. Yeah. Sure. Yes. yeah, I think I do. I, I, magical thinking is 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 believing what you wanted to believe, no matter what reality dictates, right? Which okay. I don't I don't want to judge it. I mean, so much, right? It, it's whether it's good or bad. We'll, we'll get into mm-hmm. that pretty shortly. But on like a, I would say a surface level, it's just. I don't know. It's it's thinking in a way that doesn't align, always align to reality. Magical thinking. No, I've always heard it in the context of the person who holds that thinking doing things, even if that thing is a prayer or a thought, that would then change reality. Mm-hmm. So not just not just ignoring the reality that's out there, but saying if I do A, then B will happen, even if there's no connection between A and B. Sure. Sure. Is, is that I think that's fair? good too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, but you know, as clergy, uh, we uh, we live and work in what a, a level of prayer, yeah. if you will. And the real question is, like, how do we? Is prayer and magical thinking are they very similar? Are they different? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we navigate that? Uh, I guess those two components uh, in our in our our careers, our lives. Yeah, it's hard because I do pray for people and I do pray for things to happen and for change to take place. And sometimes that change does take place, right? And it can be easy to fall into that thought of, wow, my prayer worked. And I don't want to make people think prayer doesn't work, but oftentimes it'll be something in the context of, you know, my uncle is sick. Will you pray that he gets better? And I say, yes, and I do, and he does get better. But he also went to the doctor, and he took medicine and went to rehab and then got better, right? And so to say it was my prayers that made the difference is really rude to that uncle's doctors <laughs> who worked very hard to make him better. Right, um, right. So, yeah, there is a funky balance between prayer and 
the actions taken? I would think as, as prayer, as not necessarily affecting your environment, but affecting just yourself. Right. And right. I think I think most uh, reputable theologians, at least the ones I consider reputable, would agree with what you just said. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, when you're, when you're praying about something, you're also processing it, right? You're thinking about it. You're doing the work. Yeah. It? Uh, and I think it's such a powerful and valuable thing to do. Mm-hmm. It may not affect the change that you're requesting in your prayer, but yeah. it certainly allows you to kind of think about it, to go over it, to kind of look at it, um, whatever you're praying for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really valuable. And I don't think that's magical thinking at all, right, when you think of it that way. Right. It's it's Then that puts prayer or your, your thinking into part of a complex system of things, including different actions and learning and, and self-change. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, was it C.S. Lewis said, praying does not change God minds. It changes the mind of the one who prays. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. Thank you, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. yeah. He's got a way with words. He does. I call him Clive. <laughs> is that what the C is? Yeah. Is it yeah. really? I forget the S. Is it Sinclair? Clive Sinclair Lewis. Is that the most British name of all time? <laughs> I feel yeah. like it is. Yes. <laughs> Bully. Well done, Clive. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I think we're probably on the same page there. I know that magical thinking had a negative expression during the pandemic, especially that first year when masking was such an argument. And maybe that was more than just the first year. My, my memory of the time frame of COVID is all mixed up now. I think all of us can agree to that. Uh, yeah, right it's, there, it's yeah. one big fog. It, yeah. It's like someone, the COVID went, up to, fog. Yeah, yes. someone yes. went up to my calendar and just smudged everything out. <laughs> it all blended together. Anyway. You know, they people would say to me frequently, "Why are you wearing a mask? You're a pastor." Or, wait, 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 wait. How are those things connected? Exactly, magical thinking. Because I think the people who said that and who said similar things like, "Just go to church and sing side by side because you're in church and God will protect you," it's this thought that since we are people of faith, this bad thing won't happen to us. Which history proves false, right? I mean, There's a reason. Talking to a rabbi here. Yeah, yeah exactly. We yeah. can't. We've experienced that countless times. Now, history. pardon me for saying something hurtful here. The, well, relaying someone else's hurtful words, they would say that you're not people of the right faith. I know, right? You know, and yeah. so therefore you're, you're not, not the protected. first person to tell me that. But even yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> even internally, they they would say that they have great respect for the martyrs of their own belief system, right? If, but then ask them why, if their belief protects them, do martyrs exist within their belief system? <laughs> it's not logical. It's not, it's, it's not, not logical. It's not a logical and, way of thinking. It's, why, it's, ask it's, them, called, right. it's called magical thinking, exactly. not logical thinking. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But boy, it came out in such a practical, hard and fast way throughout the pandemic. And we had so many people saying, we got to just get back to church. We got to get back to church. We'll be okay. And I was like, dude, if we would be okay, I would agree with you. Yeah. But it's, but it's not how but it that's works. A, I think another component of magical thinking is this realization that those people needed to feel safe. Like, they needed to feel okay. Right. And for them, uh, the medical recommendations for that mm-hmm. masking yeah. were not helpful for some reason. Instead, well, they not only needed to feel safe, they needed to feel comfortable. Maybe even, maybe even vindicated. In some right. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's true with a lot of magical thinking is that this the person's internal needs push them to that. And sometimes the needs are good. Sometimes they're bad. I think in the COVID days, it was a mixture. Like you said, if someone needs to feel safe and they're like, therefore, Jesus will save me. I understand that motivation. And I was happy to dissuade them of that thought. Like, no, 
Jesus does not keep you safe. Or Jesus needs you to wear a mask. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But but still, I think it's it's one of those thoughts that that feels good on paper to someone who hasn't thought their faith through. And it sounds like, especially to them, it sounds like I'm a bad Christian when I say Jesus Ooh. won't keep you safe. Right. Ooh. But it's Tough. true. And Jesus himself shame. says, if you follow me, you're going to get killed. Right. You know, I mean, it's part it's really heavy in the Bible. Pick up your cross and follow me, not pick up your Lazy boy recliner where you're comfortable all the time. You know, you're well picking it, up a lazy boy recliner would be hard in its own right. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Pick up your neck pillow and you know <laughs> ride with me to comfort. <laughs> so yeah, that whole desire for safety and comfort, I totally understand the desire. I have the desires too. But to try to claim that Jesus has that as his main motivation is A, false, and B leads people to magical thinking all yeah. the time. Yeah. I feel like cults really rely on magical thinking yeah. to yeah. prey on people who believe in it, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, cults and religion have a, overlap a lot, first of all. Cults and religion. Right, yeah. 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 And I think one of the things that cults tries to say is that, look, if you do what we tell you to do, it's a shortcut to get what you want, right? You mm-hmm. do what mm-hmm. we want you to do, you'll have happiness, you'll have money, you'll have friends, you'll have power. You right. know, we have, we've figured out the shortcut. Mm-hmm. And that shortcut is the magical thinking, yeah. Right, that like you follow our directions to the letter, and you will get everything you want from your life. Yep. And uh, I, I think so. I think a lot of people fall into that sort of that rabbit hole yeah. of like, yeah, I want these things, and this and this group says that I can get them if I do this stuff. Uh-huh. And it's I don't understand. Like you know, I'm trying to go from point A to point to point C, and I don't get B that where we go through. But as they claim B, I can skip B and get right to C. You know, that's that's magical thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's magical thinking in, like, a really bad way. Yep. I feel like it's being abused. Yeah, agreed. But on the flip side, I feel like in terms of, like, wellness, mm-hmm. right, in terms of positivity, I think magical thinking can be somewhat helpful. How so? You know, well, like, if you, I mean, I, I know people who believe uh, the power of crystals, right? And I say uh-huh. that with zero judgment. Okay. okay. Okay, but, like, and they think that these crystals are helping them. If it's making them feel more positive, yeah, if it's giving yeah. them higher self-esteem, mm-hmm. you know, if it's making them give more, like, hope in their life, I say, yeah, you know, go yeah. for it. Or at the very least, I don't tell them they're wrong. Right. Right. The, I'm the, like, all right. The, the problem <laughs> is I, when someone says, I'd rather use crystals than a doctor to solve my debilitating medical situation. Right. You know, that's when you get into an issue where it's no longer just wellness. It's, like, actual medical problems. But yes. like So, in yeah. some ways, I think magical thinking... It's not always that bad, right? Uh-huh. I think it has a positive place in our world, in our lives. If it can bring someone comfort and hope in a way that doesn't also harm them. Or alter, then, yeah. or, or make them believe in, or the, like a lack of reality, essentially. Yeah. Like, Here's a good example that's a non-religious one, unless you consider baseball a religion, which maybe it could, It right? is American's pastime. Right, but you often see teams in the playoffs and none of the players shave Oh, for a while, right? Superstition. That superstition. superstition. And they're like, okay, they're thinking they're going to keep their rally going if they if they don't shave. And it doesn't hurt anybody unless, you know, like, their, their oh romantic gosh. partner doesn't you, care for it. <laughs> right. You have, we have so much of that Judaism, you have no idea. Do you? Like oh, what? What do you mean? God. Oh, uh, so there's a thing in Judaism where uh, if you're pregnant, you mm-hmm. don't tell anyone the baby's name until, like, eight days after the baby is born. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. I like the mystery of that. Yeah. So for my my uh, my son Asher, uh, he was Sea Monkey. 
uh, whole, <laughs> for like the whole time. All right. I mean, my wife and I knew his name was going to be Asher. We just yeah. didn't tell anyone. Now I, I couldn't wait the eight days after Asher was born. You know, the yeah. day Asher was born, I was like, "It's Asher, everyone." What about when it's just the two of you at home with the baby? Do you say that name out loud to mm-hmm. each other? Well, we said Sea Monkey. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Very superstitious. Yeah. Very much magical thinking. Yeah. Uh, and Judaism is just has it's just full hmm. of that kind of. That kind of stuff. Another one. Uh, no gravestone until 11 plus months after uh, a Jewish body is buried. And are, are there reasons for both of those? For the baby name and for the gravestone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are the reasons? Oh, e- uh, the evil eye. Well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of the evil eye? Man? I have heard of it, but I feel like it was always uh, like on the Muppet look show. At, or look at like, you living yeah. a life <laughs> carefree of the evil eye. I, I'm yeah. impressed. Now, before you explain to me what it is. Yeah. Is it going to hurt me to know? I think so. <laughs> I think you're in trouble, man. Maybe I want to stay in, in blissful ignorance. Well, the, the idea of the evil eye is that, like, you don't want to draw attention to too much of a good thing. Otherwise, okay. the universe will make it bad for you. Right? Now, right. you have touched on something my wife, Elizabeth, drives her bonkers when people talk about the universe as if it has will. Oh, it does. Oh, you oh. Know, that, there are plenty of Jews, what, but it certainly does. A pet peeve yeah, to, to yeah. say, well, I felt the universe was telling me to do this, and she just kind of clenches right, her right. fists so, to yeah, not but say that's, to, yeah. that's why you don't say the baby's name, because you don't want the universe to realize you're about to have this bundle of joy in, in the near future. Because the universe will mess it up. Ugh, so badly, okay. so badly. Now, then what harm could the universe do to a dead body? Oh well, that's sort of like I wouldn't say that's evil eye. That's more. Oh, okay. That's sort of different. That's a whole different category of I don't know spiritualism, if you will. There's this idea that maybe like the spirit needs more time to leave the soul, and you wouldn't really want to wait for that mm-hmm. to happen before okay. you put the gravestone in. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just an act of kindness, really. So it's giving the dead body time to reconsider. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just letting things sort of stew for a while, making sure it's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we call it the um. This whole process of death in Judaism, we call it the like midwifery of the soul. Right. As we, we kind of usher the soul through a process of leaving the body, and we believe that it might take some time. Okay. And so that's all magical thinking. I would but think I that if think you're giving bad. that time, you do it before burying them. Oh, we, we, we get them... We get them buried fast, right? Oh, that's right. You yeah. did explain that. Yeah, like within we have three to, days, right? Within three days is the maximum. Right. I okay. have congregants that say, get me in the ground in 24 hours, please. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Nate. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, so a lot of our customs, I think, are based off of superstition, yeah. a.k.a. magical thinking. That's why I'm not judging it one bit. I, I mean, I, And I would also say that neither of those is harmful to anybody, yes, no, from what no. I could guess. And, and I happen to believe that... Judaism, being such an ancient religion, has uh-huh. figured out the best way to manage uh, grieving, okay. to manage mourning. And so this is, to me, the best way a person can begin to heal again. To Based begin on to thousands embrace, of years of trial and error. Yeah, embracing their new normal, of their loved one no longer in the world they live in. Huh. We have a process for that. And nice. I think that process has been, yeah, t- time-tested, if you yeah. will. And it's based a little bit on superstition, for sure, actually, a lot of it. Yeah. But it's also has been helpful, and I've seen it being so helpful with so many people. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, kind of back to baseball, that made me think of another thing that you see a lot, that if a pitcher is throwing a no-hitter or a perfect game, as the game rolls on, you'll see the rest of his team avoiding him in the dugout. Oh. To the extent that the pitcher is on one end of the bench and the rest of the team is squished up against yeah. the far side. Yeah. They don't talk about it. They don't mention it. They don't even want to say anything because they're concerned that to say, hey, you're pitching a great game. 
will will change we'll the outcome, right? Yeah. And in that case, it might be true because so much of sports is not getting caught up in your own head. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. if they go up to him and say, "Boy, just two more innings, and you're gonna, you know, have a no hitter," then then he'll start thinking about it and get all anxious, and I, and so that could actually impact things. Well, on a sort of a psychological level, I really think that it's it kind of comes down to control, right? Yeah. There's so much in our universe that we just cannot control, and it sucks. Yeah. But I think superstition says, "Hey." There, there are things that you can control. Right. It may not make a lot of logical sense, mm-hmm. but it makes sense in terms of the the feeling you get when you feel like you do have some sort of control, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, uh, superstition is helpful for that, especially with your example with the baseball, right? So, like these, the, you know, the pitcher may be doing a great game, and the, everyone else feels like they can't necessarily control. How that happens, but they can through superstition. They can if at they least over, do if, no if, harm. If, if yeah. we sit over here while they sit over there, then we're controlling the fact that maybe this will make it better for the pitcher. You right. Know? And I think that's valuable. Us humans, like we like really want control over our own lives, over our own destinies, and and boy, do we do not have it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in summation, uh, superstition I think offers lots of magical thinking, but can be positive. Wellness. Right, mm-hmm. it's a way of yeah. magical thinking, which I think can be positive. But magical thinking cannot be can also be abused and not yeah. be positive at all. You know, uh, on the gray line of things, I've had people say to me at funerals or or after the wait, death. Wait, I'm sorry, gray gray line, a gray area, a, a gray area. I was like gray line bus. Did I say gray line? You said gray line, fuzzy line, gray area. <laughs> edit that out. It sounded foolish, but the, uh, <laughs> that I definitely won't edit out. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, the uh, in that area in clergy life there are so many of them where you don't quite know what the right thing to do is right sure. and people would come up to me after the funeral and say something like oh you know the day my dad died um, right afterwards I saw the number 25 and that was his lucky number so I knew that was him telling me he was okay uh-huh. and internally I'm like you probably would have seen that number 25 anyway yeah you know you would have seen it some one way right. or another yeah it was destiny but, if you see that number right yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. so well no without no not destiny no <laughs> It was destiny, man. I'm like, where did that, you see it? And they're like, well, I was looking at a list of numbers zero through 100. And, and there, there was, was 25, like, there was. like a quarter of the way oh through. Oh, my it was right goodness. There. And so I, and, but at the funeral, when this grieving person is telling me, here's something that happened and I'm getting comfort from it. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to tell them no. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's so weird to sometimes. That's the control component, right? Like, I have a little, like, I don't have control over this person. Yeah. Who died, but I have control over a message that they could send me, yeah. which is the number 25. Yeah, yeah. Or if it's something they do, the grieving one does. Like, if I feel like if I light this candle every day, then somehow their spirit is still with me. We do a lot of candle lighting, by the right. way, around death and Judaism. Yeah, we do yeah. too in Christianity. But personally, I don't think it means that that soul is more likely to be around or not, right? It's not like we have a... Uh, an effect on how the world functions by lighting that candle doesn't impact that soul and where it is and what it can do. Sure. Uh, it's not about it, the soul. It's about the person, it's about the person trying to it. embrace a, yeah. a new normal in their lives. R- right. And that, at the moment, to them, feels like I'm keeping the soul around, and they really believe that. Sure. And I believe they're wrong, but I'm not going to tell them. tell them a thing. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a time to just shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had situations 
where uh, this happened numerous times where I've there were at people were asking me, okay, which you know this is a, this is a funeral or it's probably you know it's Alaska, so not all th- people are buried in like normal right <laughs> places. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in Alaska, and they're like really nervous, like oh no, which direction should that head face? Because it could be two directions, right? Yeah. And I and I, I just say like you know I'll just give them a direction, you know, like. Towards Jerusalem, so whatever that direction is, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Oh, okay, great." I I don't know, you know right. what I mean? I don't right. really yeah. know. Uh-huh. They need a they need a a um a confident answer yeah. in that moment. That's rooted yeah through and, you to yeah. their traditions, and that's what I offer. Yeah, right. Yeah. A level of confidence that maybe they that they they need is what I offer in that moment, and that's helpful. But man, and that word confidence. That's where you get the word con man, you know, <laughs> to say something and people are ready to believe it. And you said it with authority and they're like, OK, we're doing it now. Yeah. Hopefully you and I are using it for good. But con men are out there using it for bad and saying, yeah, I can I can make America great again with with, <laughs> I wonder, with that's, a wall. Right. You a know? Reference there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So con men, con men can take that and and turn it. Well, I mean, like, we, we, we live, in, in, we, our careers, Matt, are in a world where, like, people who experience a loved one dying, maybe one of their first or maybe second, you know, they're not in this world very often. Yeah. And we're in it quite, quite frequently. So right, we have right. the confidence of experience to say, this is what you do. This is how you do it. This Agreed. is when you do it. Agreed. And people often need to hear that. And a lot of times what you were just saying, like, which way does the headstone face? That's one thing. But also sometimes they're asking for the right thing. Well, I guess that's also what you're saying. They're asking for the right option amongst many right options. Yeah. And so yeah. anything you say is actually okay. Oh, yeah. But yeah. they'll say things to me like, well, which psalm should we they read at leaders. the funeral? Yeah. You know, and, you know, many of them are good, but Psalm 23 is, all right, we'll go that way. Same yeah. with us. Psalm 23 yeah. takes the cake. But, but to say to them, well, you know, you've got 150 options. Let's go through them all. It's overwhelming, right? So I'm going to say here are two options or more likely here's the one you should do. Yeah. And that that does help. And yeah, I imagine you say it pretty confidently, Matt. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Any other way you want to tackle magical thinking? I'm no longer a Harry Potter fan. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it because of J.K. Rowling's... uh, That's a big part of it, but honestly, I was never a huge fan. I think it's very derivative and predictable, and yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I'm torn, honestly, with with Harry Potter. Oh, I love Harry Potter. Honestly, I still love Harry Potter, but J.K. Rowling's view of trans people is really unfortunate. Yeah, and yeah, she seems like she's just out there trying to... Cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's not on our post-it note of things to talk I about. I don't even know. Oh, because magical, because Harry Potter's all about yeah. magic. Exactly. Drawing the connection Well, gosh, here. and I'm sorry. Now I'm back on a tangent, though. Great. The, the thing, the funny thing about it is Harry Potter in, within that universe could actually do those things. With and things. part the, you know, make things levitate and fly on oh. a broom and yeah. and kill people Leviosa, by flicking his... Yeah, right, yeah. 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 Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, the, Wait, I thought you were... <laughs> oh, I watched the movies so many times. And the movies were fun up to a point, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I read the first book under, you know, my wife's pressure forcing me to. And I was sure like, you did. And I was sure like, you yeah, did. Are you right. really blaming okay. your wife on a podcast? I imagine your wife listens oh, to Oh, she will back me up on this. Yeah, <laughs> okay. she had to ask okay. me over and over again. I'm like, I'm just not interested. And then I did, and it was exactly what I predicted it would be. It was like, yeah, all right, sure, great. Okay. We also drove cross-country and listened to it on tape, and that was pretty cool. Um, anyhow, they can actually do these things visibly and provably in the book, right? Yeah. Within that world. And part of the, the thing with our scriptural tradition is these miracles happen. Sure. And people will then now in modern day try to act like we should believe just as clearly 
in these faith traditions, but I've never witnessed a miracle, you know, and, uh, if someone were to come along and be able to say, when guardian Leviosa and make something float, we'd be like, well, there, that's something we can see. But we would be all be like, no, it's a fake. We totally sure. But let's rare. imagine it, it passed all those tests and okay. we could see. Okay. Um, and then it's no longer magical thinking. That's just the way the world functions. People can do this sometimes, right? Um, I think a lot of people oh, try boy. to force a belief on themselves to say, I have to believe that Jesus walked on water, or I have to believe that Moses parted the Red Sea, or else I'm no longer a faithful person. Right. And I don't think that's fair. You can be a person that is highly, highly skeptical of these miracles. Uh, and I think that's, it, that's something faithful. I'm not sure what you're pointing to, Matt. I was, I was pointing to this piece of paper of these graphs, which oh, is, I was, we'll I, that later, I, guess. I was realizing that I was approaching a good segue to our <laughs> next topic and I was trying to do it subtly by pointing. So <laughs> the microphone didn't pick it up. Okay. Well, I, I you, dictated it. You, you, <laughs> yeah. You really drew attention to it. I really messed it. that up. Sorry, man. Yeah, it's okay. No problem. It's like, if I tried to like signal to you, there's something on your face, you know? <laughs> like, Matt's moving his hands around his yeah. face for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, let's segue then. Because uh, it does segue into this graph that I found a series right, right. of I, graphs. I want to point out that this is a auto. This is like a medium that you hear. Yes. And, and Matt, Matt printed out some graphs. For you. <laughs> for Oh, for me. Yeah, for you to see. Okay, okay. Because I found this just this morning. <laughs> we, have to, we have to offer like a word picture of what these graphs look like. Matt. I don't know how you plan. Yeah, a picture a square. <laughs> and there's a red line making its way from left to right. And it dips slightly down. I'm trying to talk like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, anyway, yeah, a series of graphs that depict belief in God from 1972 to 2022 uh, over the last 50 years. I'm noticing a lot of down graphs. No, you're not. Oh. Look again. Oh. There are six graphs. One of them goes down. The rest hold steady or tick slightly up. Oh, yeah. Right? So apparently, wait, but one, okay. So, for example, there's one graph that says, believe no doubts. So this is the people within the U.S. who say that they believe in God with no doubts at all. It starts out at about 60% and drops down to about 50%. Over the course of how many? 50 years. This uh, 50 starts years. the year I was born, 1972. Wow. So there's yeah. now... 10% less people who believe, who don't believe, who wait, who have doubts. Who believe in God and have no doubts. So this is the group, believe with no doubts. Okay. So these people say, I believe in God and I have absolutely no doubt about it. That's gone down 10%. Meaning there's less people who believe in God. Correct. Fewer people believe in that way. And okay. another thing that makes people say I'm a bad pastor is, I think that's good news. You think... People should have doubts. Right. I have been engaged in active ministry for like, what, 30 years now. That's a long time. And I've only been engaged. I just had my, my six-year anniversary as a rabbi recently. Yeah. I started in 1997, so I'm fudging the numbers a bit. And I had four years of seminary in there. I'm counting that. So, you know. We can count seminary? Yeah. Yes. Then I'm 12 years. If there. not, maybe you call me 20 <laughs> years. I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, more, than, more than two decades worth of ministry experience, okay. you know. Okay. and so, experience. We get it. Yeah. And I have doubts all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you would be stupid not to. And so when I see that number go down, let me rephrase that. When I see someone that says that they believe with no doubts, I think that is an unhealthy way to live your faith life. And so that number going down to me is good, good news, because that means they're no longer believing that unhealthy way. Hopefully they're not switching over to 
absolutely no belief at all. That would be sad to me. Uh, hopefully they're going to believe with some doubts. And that's the next one, the next one on the list here. I believe, but I have some doubts. That starts at 20% and ends at 20%-ish. It may be like it goes down and back up again. So it's in the same ballpark. Same- Wait a second. If believe, no doubts goes down, uh-huh. they shouldn't believe, but doubts go up? Well, remember, there are six graphs here. Uh, believe, but doubts. The next one is believes sometimes. Uh, the next one is believe in some higher power of some sort. Those are all going up. One says no way to find out. Which is going up. And one says don't believe. Also going up. So I think if you add all those together, each going up by a little bit, it yeah. seems to be about the same amount that that first one goes down. So, you know, some did go to the don't believe side. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I'm, I'm sad about it, but it makes sense. And others went to other places like believe, but some doubts believe sometimes, which I believe are healthier ways to live out your faith life. Sure. Sure. Um, I also think probably a lot of those people who say believe, but with no doubts, I think that's probably false for a lot of them. I really am curious. I would love to see this graph, but just for Judaism, it'll be fascinating to watch. I, I bet you it look very different. I'll send you the link. I think you can do that broken down, but you might have to be in the paid to subscription to this. It's a, a, like a religious graph weekly. Oh, cool. And it's yeah. really been interesting so far. And the, the data is from a general sociological survey and it's Ryan Burge. R-Y-A-N-B-U-R-G-E, hmm. um, and seems to be pretty well sourced and documented, um, but it's still a relatively new source to me, so grain of salt to everybody. But so far, it's it's seemed good. Very exciting. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see that. Yeah. Okay, so that's... So in this, you, is this segue from magical thinking to how people believe in God, is this related? Yeah, what I was talking about there was about how people uh, w- were getting comfort from 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 those beliefs mm-hmm. and I don't want to make them doubt those beliefs in their time of crisis yeah but in the long term I do in the long term there are a lot of beliefs I do want people to doubt which belief would you want people to doubt for instance that they have the power to heal, heal people through their faith you know we get a lot of that where people yeah. will say if I pray hard enough I'll get better good friend of mine became paralyzed in college and uh, another person I knew trying to be helpful kept pushing that person to say, if you pray hard enough, if you, if you believe enough, you'll walk again. Yeah. And I think that person's motivations were based in wanting to be a good person. Sure. Right. And she didn't recognize that she was being hurtful to this man that had been hurt. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, so I, I think beliefs like that can really rear their heads in ugly the ways. Imaging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is the magical thinking component. Mm-hmm. That if you believe, if you pray hard enough, you get exactly what you want. Right, you got exactly what you asked for. Uh huh. Yeah. Have you ever heard the thing that the book called The Secret? Yeah. Oh boy, I didn't read it, so maybe I'm way off base here. But if if I were to pass judgment on it, it would not be friendly. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's that. Yeah, it's not a good yeah. book. Essentially, it says you ha- if you can perfectly imagine exactly what you want. Yeah. The universe will just. Give it to you. Like it's called the law of attraction is another way to phrase that, right? Isn't that what they say too? I don't remember. Yeah, whatever you focus on will be you will attract that to yourself. All you gotta do is focus on it hard enough. Yeah. That's magical. That's magical thinking too. Yeah. 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 And I think it's it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. There are people in the world that are born hungry and live their whole lives hungry and all they think about is, oh, I wish I had food. That doesn't work for them. They don't suddenly have food just attracted to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, in one way, it's very problematic, right? As you just pointed out. In another way, though, being hyper focused on a goal necessarily a bad thing. Yes, yeah, so those do, are different if things. If you do yeah. the things to, you need to do to make the goal happen in like in, in sort of a realistic way. Yeah. Uh, but that's, I mean, I think the secret sort of like meanders between sort of those two things, right? Yeah. If your yeah. magical thinking motivates you to take action to do something, then that's that's not magical thinking. That's practical thinking. Right. right. That's just. And there's, there's, and then there's yeah. that movie, Practical Magic. <laughs> Sorry. I, don't I know never I saw that. that. What is that? What is that don't one? Worry, I don't know. Okay. Don't worry about it. I don't know why, but it just came to my mind. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next thing because we're about halfway through our time here, and um, you have a current events report. Have you oh, done your yes. homework? <laughs> I, I did. So my community uh, hosted a uh, drag time story, a drag story hour, essentially. So let's start by defining what that is, because oh. certainly certain parts of the political spectrum have a picture in mind of what that is. Yeah. And I'm yeah. guessing that picture is inaccurate. Right. Yeah. So I, I would say that there is sort of this uh, I'm, uh, drag performer culture, which is, is essentially, well, it's usually consistent of men dressing up as women. But we actually had uh, a drag performer that was the opposite. Okay. Uh, which I thought was super cool. Yeah. Um, and they and this in Story Hour, what they did is they came and performed by reading a bunch of kids' books. Mm-hmm. And we were celebrating the last day of our religious school, right? Okay. Uh, so this is on the last day. We said we're going to celebrate with a drag story hour. Um, we invited three performers to come. They came. We also opened it up to the rest of the community, and a lot of other people came too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really fun time. We had a really good experience. Great. Um, yeah, and within your own community, yeah, including both Congregation Beth Shalom and also people who uh, use the daycare. Yeah. Or is it preschool? Preschool. Preschool. Sorry. Yeah. Um, was there any uh, uh, resistance to that? There was no resistance, Matt. Okay. Everyone was into it. Now, uh, we, we're very much aware of the politics of around trans people and essentially drag stories or drag performers currently in yeah. the, I, I say, the public sphere, if, if you will. And let's differentiate and just... Just so people know, we know that drag and trans are different. They're different. They're different. They're combined together. They get they get yeah, hit, yeah. hit by the same people. Right, yeah. right. Um, and so there is this uh, unfortunate, or I, I would say that there is this there is this what how to propaganda, if you will, yeah, Maybe the best way to put it, uh, saying that like drag performers are abusing or somehow sexualizing uh-huh. children. Yeah, which is just. Not true, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not true, right? Uh, I know this. Most people know this, yeah. uh, but the but the, the that language has been in the public sphere now for long enough. We talked about the word indoctrination a yeah. while back, yeah. and and that is one of the words that often gets thrown out there, saying yeah. you're trying to indoctrinate kids to, right, to right. do or say something. And so it's, it's important for me. Like I really wanted to celebrate, you know, the end of religious, the last day of religious school, and I didn't want to be affected by this political challenge of drag yeah. culture and I was like I'm actually really into it mm-hmm. uh, and so this is I think a great way to celebrate the end of religious school so I said let's embrace it yeah. and we did it and it was a lot of fun yeah great yeah now, I asked about internal pushback. Was, was there any external? Well, we anticipated external pushback. Uh-huh. Um, we got ready for it. There was none. Great. There was no protesters. There was nothing. Anyone that showed up to our community for this was a, as a supporter 
Uh, we're not sure why. We, I mean, we definitely were anticipating protesters. Yeah. We didn't get any. That's good um, news. There was yeah. finally an article in the Alaska Watchmen, which is the most conservative, I would say, organization. I don't know that conservative is the right word. Yeah, they're they're just absolutely that. bonkers. Yeah. They figured it out finally and yeah. off, and wrote an, a, a short article about it. Like After yeah, the fact? Af, after the fact. Good, yeah. good. The article yeah. wasn't even that bad, to be honest. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't even that nice. inflammatory. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's all that. That's all pushback that we have okay. gotten from. It's it. interesting because Watchmen and similar outlets have been really like freaking out about drag time things. Dra- yeah. drag things. Drag yeah, time. I, I. They're not. They're. I mean, they're mentioning it. They're yeah. talking a little bit about it, but I wouldn't say they're freaking out over it. Not yours. Not yeah, because because no. they have about other ones. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. oh well, that's good news. Just. Just for some uh, context, then, what were one or two of the stories that got read? Oh, boy. I don't <laughs> remember. I, I guess was, the point I was, I was hoping. So yeah. nerv- I was like, I was, I was like so worried the whole time. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, it was yeah. a big event. And we, we were packed. We had so many people there. I was, I was sort of like schmoozing with the crowd. I was kind of getting things ready. I was dealing with cynical stuff. When they was, when, when they're reading the books, I'm just doing other bunch of other yeah. like things. Good. So uh, point. we have a list though, and we're gonna, we're gonna, sh- we're gonna like uh, um, publish yeah. a list of books that got read. The reason I brought it up was to make the point that they're not. Hypersexualized. Oh no, books. they're all it's books like, about just regular. Yeah, books. about about yeah. being okay with who you are. Okay, was the theme yeah. of all the books. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And you raise a good point about clergy at events. Uh, we're not able to be at the event. <laughs> I'm never able. to <laughs> Right. Be at the Whenever event, we yeah. do a dinner event, I never eat at it. I know my wife. Like, I go we'll home get and plate. have dinner after. My wife will get a plate for me. Yeah. And say you got to eat this now. Or you will never eat it. And I'm like you're right, you're right. So I sit down and eat the food, and I'm off again. Or or I'll or I'll grab one Swedish meatball on my way past the plate, and then that's it. That's yeah, all I get. Yeah. And when I get home, I'm having ramen noodles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't. Yeah, the, yeah. The details of the event. I always end up asking other people like, so how'd that go? Like, yeah. I wasn't really there, present for it. You tell me because I'm not yeah. quite sure. Because yeah. I was greeting people at the door. I yeah. was fixing the toilet. I was <laughs> telling people how to run the sound system. I did all man. those yeah. things. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I had a great time. I just wasn't necessarily yeah. present for the actual That's thing that was going yeah. on. Did you record yeah. it? You could watch it later? No, we chose not to record it. We, I, yeah, we made, I that, we made yeah. that intentional choice. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, yeah uh, essentially for the performers as well. Uh, but, yeah, so we had a great experience, and I, I highly recommend it. Like, you know, I cool. highly recommend embracing this because it shows your support for the LGBTQ community and right now that community is feeling attacked big time. I'm curious and I I think I've been good intentionally but also it's easy and honest to speak well of my congregation. Yeah. That's really how I feel. I'd be curious to hear how they respond to this. I don't know if it's something that they would have a natural uh, comfort level with or not? I don't know. Uh, I feel really lucky. Like, I mean, I, I, I was very careful about this event. I, I, I knew it's a political flashpoint. Yeah. And so, you know, I went to my board and I was like, here's what I'm thinking yeah. that we host this event. And I got... Like everyone was like, not only was everyone like, yeah, let's do it. Everyone was like, like of course. It was like, nice, it was yeah. like, like don't be so we'll boring. See, that's, you know how, I mean? yeah. <laughs> that's how my church responded when I said, let's open up the church to help host Pride Festival. Mm-hmm. Back when Pride was happening more regularly, you know, over COVID. It, 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 it is happening this year. I, I heard, yeah. yeah so yeah. we'll probably do it again. Open up. Yeah. And that was the congregation's response. So we're like, yeah, of course. Yeah, June, June 24th, by the way, is when it's happening. Great. And the Delaney Park ships. So yeah. you're, you're right there. Yeah. Yep. And so we love being hosts for that. And we'll see if we have the volunteer power right now. My volunteers are tired. They've been so busy. Uh, so it might just be me here opening the doors. But, but so they were so open to that. You know, they might say the same thing to a story. Or, I don't know. 
I think yeah, I think it's a good idea. Like you know, I I would love this. I love the idea that like if if there's factions within within the U.S. that are hating on these groups, mm-hmm. that suddenly that hate means that it's happening more and more often. Uh, yeah, their, that's like to their detriment. You know what I mean? That uh-huh. like like I like I like that message to say that like what you do and what you say is hurtful and harmful, but it's not affecting us. Yes, in the yeah. way that you want it to. There's there's a defiance. There's power in that. Yeah. There's defiance in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I think it, there's a language in that to say to say you can say all you want to say, but we're going to show you how it's not working. Yeah. Right. And that and that will illustrate the fact that what you're trying to say isn't actually helping. Getting what you what you want, right, right. Um, and I think that's really that's how you know. I think that's how you also parent kids. You know, when uh-huh. kids do something that that you don't like, you just say that's not going to get what you want. I'm sorry, you yeah. know. And whenever I would yell at my kids, I remember thinking, oh, I failed to do what you just described, yeah. right? You, you just responded in kind, and they didn't affect me. They did affect me by by doing all that stuff. Yeah, and, and I needed to have risen above it. So yeah, yeah, nice, good. Okay, and also there's um, Underground Pride is on July 22nd at the fairground. So there's I don't know why it's in July, but it's in July. Why is it underground? It's a done. It's it's run by the Queen's Guard and uh, it's who are out in Wasilla, uh, which is a very conservative yeah. place. Yeah, um, some famous politicians have come from there. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> yes, I, 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 yeah, yeah. And so they they call it underground pride in, in, in recognition of the fact that like you know it's harder to be yeah. a member of the LGBTQ community in a place like Wasilla, right? Or, so kind of like on a national level, think Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very conservative, and not just that they don't care for. That kind of thing, they actively seek to to squash it, right? And ironically, it's at the fairgrounds, and it's going to be big. So, like, yeah, it, it says underground pride, but yeah. So that's yeah. on July twenty second. So there okay. you go. Just cool. making sure everyone else, our listeners, know when those things are. Thanks. Okay, should we move on to the next topic? Yeah, sure. What do we have? What we have think? sanctioned camps. Oh yes, Matt, you're going to tell us a little about what's going on with that because there's some news in that. Well, that arena. Yeah, first of all, I'll say that due to my bad handwriting, I thought it said sanctified camps. And I was like, that, that sounds be, lovely. Yeah, would that be let's, any different? Let's go camping yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. Be sanctified. So Anchorage is continuing to attempt to address the ongoing homelessness crisis. Um, there's been a spike in the number, some of which is due to the fact that the counting methods have been adjusted. And so that adds, you know. How, how are they adjusted? How uh, do you count one way and then count a different way? Well, for example, there's a point in time count where one night per year they go out to all, or one day, and go to all the known locations and they count heads, right? That's uh-huh. one thing. However, as we're moving on to try to be really intentional about gathering data really well, there's a coordinated intake process where people who are utilizing services such as, you know, shelters or food banks, things like that, um, they are brought into a computer system, their names, everything taken down so that we can can okay. really know which services are getting used the most and right, how many right. people there are. And the important thing to note is that there's never a number of homeless people. It's a constant flow of sure. people who are flowing into and out of homelessness on a daily basis. Some people stay in that state of homelessness for a couple of years. Some people stay for one single day. So to say how many homeless people are there in Anchorage, you'd have to say how many are there right now? Wait 10 seconds and go, okay, how many now? Yeah. Because They're three people just became homeless and four people just got homes. Yeah. And so uh, do the math and you're, you're on to your new number. Right. So um, there are bunches. You know, you might you might estimate that today there's 2,000. Okay. Okay. In so, Anchorage. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that number's wrong, obviously, but it's in the ballpark. And so um, with that ongoing thing, the number has gotten higher while our services have gotten a bit more challenging to provide. The Sullivan Arena has been a mass shelter since COVID began, and it's being phased out right now. They're only housing a small number of the people they used to, uh, people who require some extra services. So for listeners that don't know anything about Anchorage... It's a hockey arena. Yeah, it's a big sports arena. Big for, you know, us a yeah, right. For a 300,000 yeah. person town, essentially. Right. Um, and it's not designed for a, to help house mm-hmm. the homeless population. When COVID started and spacing between beds became essential, uh, the city did a good thing and said, let's move to a big location where we can still give people overnight shelter, but keep them further away from one Obviously, another. Obviously, the solar was not being used. During COVID. Yeah, because there were no events. Yeah. There were no events. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everyone agrees we gotta move back to having it be an arena, right? It's yeah. it's it does a good purpose for the community as that. The question becomes how do we move all the people out of there uh, without causing them great harm? Yeah. Uh, last summer it was done poorly. They just put people out into Centennial Park where they were told to camp, even if they didn't have the ability to do so. There this, were bears. There, there were, were bears there, bear, and there was bear. no security or guidance. So along with this large group of people, suddenly also you had other people show up that had not been in the Sullivan, but other people showing up to sell drugs or to, yeah. to, to do other th- types of harm. Um, and so that became a really r- difficult situation. I, I think at first they maybe didn't even provide meals. And the Salvation Army, I think, stepped up big and yeah. started providing them. I might be wrong on the timeline there. It, certainly the Salvation Army stepped in big and, and helped a ton of people. But I, the timeline might have been wrong. All that to say, we're once again, we being the whole city, uh, looking toward making the Sullivan no longer a mass shelter. But there's a lot of arguing about what do we do with the people that need help. Um, currently, one of the plans being floated is to have several sanctioned campsites around city. And when I say uh, sanctioned, it's because right now there are tons of campsites around the city where people who are homeless have congregated because it's a relatively okay place to camp, meaning maybe the ground is a bit drier, maybe it's off in the woods, and maybe they don't get kicked out quite so regularly. Sure. sure. And so that's already happening. Once in a while, the city will go around and abate those camps, meaning kick everyone out, sometimes take their gear and store it somewhere. I forget what the current process is. Um and they're going to start doing that again, I think I read in June. Abatement? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a big one, for example, at Cuddy Park right now, which yeah. is a major park in the middle of the town right next to the library. And from what I hear, it's it's really overflowing with camps, with tents right now. Um, and that's bad in a couple of ways. Number one, there's no system of hygiene at that camp, right? So if someone gets injured or if someone has to go to the bathroom – who knows? You know, there's no place to get rid of that human waste uh, from going to the bathroom or the litter from living a life, you know, food wrappers and the like. Uh, there's no restroom. There's no way to wash up. And so it becomes a public health hazard. And at the same time, that's a public park where people bring their kids and they want to go play. And then they realize, oh, my gosh, there's tents all around the playground and some of the people there are not safe. Right. And so it becomes a real problem. So having sanctioned sites means the city will step in and say, all right, we're going to fence these in. We're going to control who comes and goes. We're going to have porta potties and hand washing stations and health people come through to treat injuries once in a while. And we can even provide services for that coordinated intake, get people in the system so they can find their way out of homelessness. That's in the mix. There's a lot of good to it. However, 
It doesn't solve the problem of why in this constant flow of homelessness is it so easy to flow into homelessness and so difficult to flow out. Right. It's simply saying, let's make that center holding reservoir of being homeless. Let's make it a little bit bigger now. (laughs) You know, so now we can hold more people in a state of homelessness instead of preventing them from going in and helping them to get out. Um, We're just going to put, you know, have more people there and put them in tents so we don't have to look at them quite so often at our parks. So there's a lot of problems with doing this too. That's a problematic suggestion you're saying. Yes, I'm saying it's a very problematic suggestion because it does not fix the problem. It just, it's like if you're saying, uh, boy, this kitchen drawer is super messy. It's a junk drawer with tons of stuff and it's totally disorganized. The junk drawer. We all have yeah. one of those. I'm just yeah. now going to make the drawer next to it a junk drawer too and put half of the junk in there. Boy, look, it looks much better now. Right. That's what we're doing. Well, with... It's junk in each, in each drawer. Right. So yeah. my apologies if that sounds inhumane to equate people with junk in a drawer. I didn't mean that to be rude, but but it, it's it's the process of refusing to fix the problem, but just spreading it out differently. Right, you know that doesn't and help. Fixing people. the problem is getting people who are homeless into homes. It, right, yeah, getting them into homes with services. I, we we shouldn't put all the onus on the housing providers in our town, right? Because sure. so many of them, I think of Widener in particular, and um, the uh, oh gosh, they have so many acronyms, I lose track of it. But the various housing groups, I'm thinking of of Carol Gore in particular, who works in housing, and uh, but I forget the acronym of her agency. They just have these compassionate hearts to care for people and provide the homes. Yeah. But there are so many people within the homelessness population that you could give them a home and it's not sufficient because they also need health care. Right. They also need job training. They also need mental health care. They also need addiction support, any number of things, not all of them, but, but lots of them, you know, a lot of them need trauma care if they're veterans, right? They, they, sure. they and so there's sure. all sorts of reasons why housing first is a great approach, but it's never housing only. It's housing with services. It's housing housing as part of, of a whole host of things we do. That's the way to go. However, I understand why the camps might be the way to go right now because there's a crisis on hands. And so you do first do first aid. I think these camps are first aid. They have a Band-Aid. Exactly. The problem. Exactly. Yeah. But, you, but if someone comes into the hospital with a head wound and also cancer, you treat the head wound and then you send them to oncology. Yeah. You don't just treat the head wound and say, go home. Yeah. And the camps are just treating the head wound. But yeah. we got to get into the systemic help here. And so that's that's what I I don't see this current approach really taking that seriously. And that's pr- troubling to me. Also, the way they're approaching it, it's good to say they're not just saying, here, we'll give this one park and it's okay to camp there. They're saying they're going to provide services, right? They're going to fence it in. They're going to have security. They're going to have lighting. They're going to have various agencies come through. That's great. Let's start doing the math. If you do all those things, how much how, how much further do we need to go to actually just provide homes and not tents? Right. Can we give that extra level of humanity to, to provide a building? Would I, be, I think uh, we maybe could. There's more talk about this thing called the Navigation Center. Down on 3rd Avenue, it's where Beans Cafe used to be, and they've created this Navigation Center. It's good. Oh, wait. Oh, you might be thinking of a different thing, I the one that the mayor uh, tried to build. It isn't yeah. built yet. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, my mistake. There, there's two places with similar names, different approaches. The one that was on 36th that got partly built without permission. Let's right. frame it here properly. <laughs> yeah. Partly yeah. built without permission. Spent, what, $4 million on uh, without permission? Yeah. Which is why I, f- whole, I forget the numbers. political yeah. flashpoint. Right, and yeah. that's why the building stopped on it and why there's currently all these problems about what do we do now with the bill we have. Yeah. 
all that to say, that process, the 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 center that you're referring to there in Midtown, in my opinion, was not as good a strategy. There were yeah. there were definitely positives to it, sure, but not as good a po- uh, uh, an idea. For one reason being, it was going to be a mass shelter. So tons and tons of people under one roof in a place that was relatively difficult to get to and removed from a lot of services. A, that's not good in and of itself because you want the services there. You want it to be easy to get to. B, the mass, mass, mass shelter approach while it was handy during the crisis of COVID at the Sullivan is a place that people are less likely to want to go. If you picture yourself sleeping in such a situation, you can understand why it's not so great. And so people might be more likely to say, I'm not going to go into that. And then they don't get the other services that would have been offered there. Like the, you know, the coordinated intake where we can say, Oh, you already qualify for this. Let's go get you connected to it. You know? Yeah. So, um, there were positives to the idea. There were ways to have made it work. But the, as you know, <laughs> Abram knows and our anchors listeners know, the there's no cooperation right now between the mayor's administration well, and the assembly. it's coming again in politics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. whole questions have come full circle. Right. What to do, what to do in the winter. Yeah. Right. Like there is no solution uh, yet for right. what to do, how to help the homeless population now the one, here in the winter. The one downtown that I was talking about, in my opinion, is really good, but it does not have the sheltering aspect. Yeah. So it's a place where people show up, they get taken into the system, they get to meet with people who shepherd them through the process, even on a one-to-one basis. Wow. You know, Joe Smith, come in, have a seat with me, side by side, we're going to read through your options, and together we're going to pick the best ones for you, and they get them going off that way. Um, I've had a tour of the place and I'm not trying to sound like an expert, but from what I've seen, it's really, really good. And time will tell. It's relatively new. So, Is it new? How new? Because I haven't heard about this particular. Since COVID. And, you know, during COVID, just like um, Brother Francis Shelter shut down because of space or it shifted, you know, it changed its approach dramatically. Uh, Beans Cafe also changed their, uh, their approach uh, a lot to where they're now, if I understand correctly, more in, in the in the zone of providing food and delivering it outward, rather than a mass cafeteria like yeah. setting. Is, how Beans Cafe, yeah. And now that same coming. big space has been transformed into this other thing, okay. which has a certain aspect of day shelter to it. But I don't think that's what it's designed for. It's just this kind of happening, and they might they might need to shift to that. But it's new, and the people who are running it have a lot of experience. They've yeah. been involved for ages, and they they know what they're doing pretty well. So I have high hopes for that one. I think sure. it could do yeah. good things. Yeah. But it's not shelter. So at nighttime when people need to sleep, that location doesn't provide it. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, Beans Cafe didn't either, yeah. unless there was some crazy spike and they had to put overflow there in, a, in an emergency. Uh, but So it's not as if we lost beds by doing that, but it doesn't provide them either. So, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for the update. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think many of us, myself included, are having a hard time navigating um, this crisis, and uh, yeah. it's getting worse, and we need to yeah. find you know, a support, I think, viable solution. So yeah. uh, yep. you're offering some, and that's great. We're trying. <laughs> okay, do we have any time left? We have a tiny bit of time. we got about five and a half minutes. We, do you wanna... uh, what's the next one? Ten Commandments in Schools. Oh, yes. That's happening in Texas right now. Do you that see- could have been. We could have had the same conversation in 1950. Could we? Ha- yeah. Yeah. Well, Ten Commandments in Schools, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you for or against? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm against. I think, yeah, I, think yeah. I, I pretty much could assume that was going to be your answer. Yeah. I, and I think it's fine to have it talked about in certain ways, but I do think that when schools say and post things that can sometimes have the implication 
that it, it is supporting it, right? Yeah. As if it is a state well, they want it in every, religion. They want it in every classroom, not just in yeah. schools. But in Texas, they want it in every classroom. I didn't Ten realize that. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm loose on the details of the yeah. current uh, incarnation of this religious language intentional. And so I think it's uh, kind of crazy to me that they would think that that's not being a state-established religion. If a state-run organization, the school, is forced to put that in every single room, that is a indoctrination, right? That's all yeah. the, the bugaboo word that they're so afraid of right now. That's totally indoctrination. And B, it's a state... Um, uh, what's the word I just said? <laughs> State established religion yeah. directly against the First Amendment, right? Uh, and it kind of goes towards uh, flows towards that Christian nationalism you bring up sometimes. For sure, yeah, yeah. Except they, yeah, it's except it's a Hebrew document, <laughs> you know, and they they don't seem to to care about that so much. But yeah, it, it's absolutely Christian nationalism to say this is the state embracing a Christian identity. Yeah. And it's uh, it's bizarre and it's short-sighted and it's terrible. Um, yeah. I'll get off on a tangent if possible. Go for it. <laughs> well, you know, in I think it was in Soldatna, the city council started doing prayers before their council meetings yes. or assembly or whatever they yes. call it. And and then, you know, the, the local chapter of the Satanist Society or something with a similar name said, great, we'll sign up. We'll do one. Yeah. And suddenly they were like, wait a minute, maybe maybe it's not a great idea to do this. And so because well, they, they said hail Satan at the end of their uh, prayer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so suddenly then they realized, oh, when I say prayer, it doesn't just mean Christianity. And so I do wonder if a similar thing. Well, do you know how they reacted to that problem? They, they no. said that you had to have a building in like the Kenai, essentially, in, Soldat, in that area. See, that's so ridiculous. To, which, yeah. then, which in the ACLU sued them for that. Yeah. Because Judaism, for example, didn't, doesn't, we don't have, there's no synagogue yeah. in Soldatna or there that area. Yeah. So that means Jews couldn't offer uh, a prayer. Yeah. And so, yeah. And a lot of churches rent their space. So does that yeah. count? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or meet in homes. Yeah. So, the, yeah, that's silly. And so how did they finally address it then? If they got sued by ACLU, did they drop the building requirement? I think they did. Yeah. And they now what do they do? They just let the same. I think they I think they just, just, they just they limit. I mean, they get the final say of who offers an invocation or not. Right. So see, so that that to me is bad. Right. Because that then they could just say no to the Satanist club because they don't they like the word Satan. Do. And they could also say no to Jewish people did because they, they're Christians. They did. All right, so yeah, so ACLU, ACLU, get back there, man. What are you doing? <laughs> you didn't finish the they job. Have. I haven't read this was a couple years ago, and I didn't really finally, you know, con- I don't know the full conclusion of it, but yeah, I mean, the ACLU had a really had a good case. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm wondering if there's some sort of approach in Texas too to say, oh, you know, putting religious stuff up in schools is okay, great, because here's uh, passages from the Quran. Well, that's but but so that's the issue is they're not saying religious like command. They're saying that. That's specifically yeah. biblical Ten Commandments, but it did fail, right? So, like, I, you know, I want okay. listeners to know that, like, it didn't, it didn't pass, and they'll have to go do it again if they want it to pass, and it's apparently going to be harder the second time. Yeah. So it's probably not going to happen. But it was this. I mean, you can't, listeners, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but I have my thumb and forefinger pretty close together. <laughs> it's this close. Yeah. Uh, um, to it, it, it and what it also up. does, it also fires up the voters to come out and vote for their candidates, even if it gets struck down in court later, they're going to put their people in because yeah. with some magical thinking, they're thinking, if we put the Ten Commandments in the schools, there aren't going to be school shootings anymore. Sure. Which, that is magical thinking, which is a great way to end 
our podcast. We have come full circle. <laughs> full circle. All right, y'all, I've gotten this far. Thank you so much for listening to us. Um, and I also want to thank the Mutual Bros for the music and James Brown for the logo. Any gratitude that you feel right now, Matt, for anything? I'm grateful to the universe for, uh, the, universe. Tr- for the secret of attracting yes. good things to me. Yes. <laughs> Watch out for that evil eye, Matt. <laughs> All right, y'all, take care. Bye.